It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. And three things I am most excited for for the Miami Dolphins offense in 2022. We're talking specifics here today on the show. Tap in. Let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And your host here today on the show. Three things offensively I'm looking forward to being different in 2022 as compared to 2021. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, the offensive line is going to be better, right? Uh, We're talking specifics here today on the show. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. There's a lot of great Dolphins resources out there. And for all of you who tap in and and listen along with me here on Locked On Dolphins, it's greatly appreciated. The first thing we're jumping right in today The first thing that I am most excited about being different for the Miami Dolphins in 2022 as compared to 2021 is hopefully the evolution of the screen game for the Dolphins. This was an area in 2020 that I thought with Chan Gailey, the Dolphins were much better at than what they were this past year. Uh, you saw some of the creative uh, tight end screens, but but you know when you generally consider the best screen teams in the NFL, and the screen is obviously an important layer because it's it's a designed throw, it's easy yards, right? Um, but it, it's an area that requires a certain level of nuance uh, to be able to sell teams that you're doing something that you're not. And the Dolphins last year, to a tongue of a low, ranked 28th in the NFL in screen attempts across the entirety of the season with just 33. He did complete 87.9% of those pass attempts, but 33rd ranks 28th amongst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. You foil that against the likes of Tom Brady, 108 attempts. Patrick Mahomes, 106 attempts. Aaron Rodgers, 88 attempts. Kyler Murray, 86. Matthew Stafford, 82. Jalen Hurts, 76. Josh Allen, 73. Rest of the top 10, Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, and Ben Roethlisberger, all in the 60s. Every single quarterback in the NFL, or who was top 10 in the NFL in screen attempts last year, was two to three times the amount of volume of screen attempts as what Tua Tungvaloa was able to afford. This is a little surprising 
when you take into account some of the athletes that the Dolphins had at their disposal last year, most notably Jalen Waddell, and most notably out of the backfield as a pass catcher, Miles Gaskin slash Duke Johnson down the back half of the year. These are good receiving backs. This is a good electric wide receiver. And I don't know specifically if the limiting factors for the Dolphins were spacing issues, if teams played them too tight and didn't really afford them the opportunity uh, to have the room to work on the back end. Um, but usually the screen game is emulating a drop back pass and inviting the rush up the field and then hitting off or hitting the defense behind the first wave of defenders and breaking into open grass. And Miami didn't do a lot of that. Uh, that, that is an area where obviously you, you do have Matthew Stafford fifth on this list from a Shanahan style offense with Sean McVay. Jimmy Garoppolo was 13, tied for 13th in the NFL with 62 screen attempts on the season, obviously with Debo Samuel and the weapon that he was in that offense, but also Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, second in the NFL with 106. This is the stress, especially now that you have more than one player, right, who can stress you on the perimeter like this and a little bit more point of emphasis in some more athletic offensive linemen. Uh, obviously, Austin Jackson has the athletic profile, but the consistency has not been there. The execution has not been there. So hit, relying on him to get to the right spot might necessarily not have necessarily been uh, the right uh, formula for Miami to get that offensive lineman releasing out outside the hashes and setting up a block in space. Connor Williams and Teron Armstead on the left side of the offensive line, presumably, uh, you'd think would have a little bit more success uh, in that front. And also, by the way, speaking of that offense, Dak Prescott, uh, 63 screen attempts last year. So nearly twice as many as Tua Tungvaloa had as well. So I'm really excited about an offense coming in that showed last year with Debo Samuel, you can obviously get creative and manufacture some touches and manufactured touches are kind of one of those like football snobby, like, Oh, that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It just can't be your offense. Just like an RPO can't be your entire offense, which the dolphins tried to do for a good portion of last year. Cause they couldn't run the football and they didn't have the offensive line to hold up in traditional drop back passing. So you, I mean, you do the math. There's only so much you can do, and you, you got to play within your player's strengths, but that also creates some limiting factors. Well, adding more layers onto, even if two is not going to be a quarterback in 2022, that shows all of the growth that would be necessary for him to consistently make full field reads at a very high level with the Tom Brady's of the world, you don't have to. If you have enough different ways that you can provide some of those schemed throws to keep defenses off balance, and then that way they're not teeing off on you in your passing situations, in your third and mids. You know, your third and longs are always going to be a challenge. Always going to be a challenge. But your third and mids, your third and shorts, having more layers than just, well, we're going to run the RPO again because we can't trust the offensive line to win the point of attack. And that's also should be something that's going to be different, but we're going to talk about that in just a bit. 
that is an area that I think is a huge growth opportunity for the entire Dolphins offense. And I would I would quantify that strictly by looking at the screen game because that is an area that I think the Dolphins grossly underutilized last year. Let's get involved in that front. So here are some notable quarterbacks who started for full seasons and had less screen attempts than Tua Tungvaloa. I will count Lamar Jackson, although he he played in 12 games. Uh, Justin Fields, I will count because he played in 12 games. He had 18. Lamar had 21. And guys, that's that's it. This was one of the least screen-inclusive offenses in all of football. I think that's a huge opportunity to add new layers that doesn't require... You, you did the hard part. You got more athletic offensive linemen, and you got another dynamic player to win after the catch in Tyreek Hill. So now Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and if you're going to send each one of those guys on the outside and you have a presence in the screen game, teams are going to probably try to, to play them with somebody stacked over top to give you a little bit of extra security in the fits. And if they start pushing more guys out toward the perimeter, guess what? Now you got a lighter box count. Now you can theoretically run the ball and run the ball downhill between the tackles. Although this isn't a team that they, they have told us uh, directly and indirectly with both their personnel moves and uh, through player interviews, conditioning and speed to the perimeter is going to be a huge part of what this team does in general. They're going to test your discipline to flow and either keep the edge or alternatively, if you bail out to get outside, then we're going to come back and cut cut back across the green. I got to tell you guys about our friends over at Athletic Greens. Uh, their AG1 product is phenomenal. It's a great way for you to start your day. Uh, we're obviously grinding a lot of tape these days as we get ready for the 2022 NFL Draft. Um, and this product, I literally use every day to help me be the best version of myself, to be attentive, detail-oriented, awake, feeling good. Uh, with one delicious scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients helps your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. All of the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's a no-brainer. Also no-brainer, getting all of your betting information from our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for all your the betting stats and sports information to find out all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs, go heat and the start of the Major League Baseball season, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where 
the game starts. The next thing that I am looking forward to as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins offense is the speed on the perimeter that we already mentioned. We've talked about the screen game and what value that is going to bring to the Dolphins. And here's an interesting statistic for you. The Dolphins had 33 screen attempts on the year in its entirety last year. You know how many of those attempts went to Jalen Waddell? 19. And here's the interesting thing about what Jalen Waddell has and has not done as a rookie with those screen attempts. That 19 puts Jalen Waddell. Where'd he go? I literally just had him. Maybe break out the control F. There he is. Uh, tied for 10th in the NFL in screen targets across all players. But his 3.9 yards per reception on those plays is comfortably the least in the NFL. So I'm going to walk you through. There's 12 players total that had 19 or more. Chris Godwin had more than any other player in the NFL with 36. Rondale Moore second with 35. Here's the yardage per reception in the screen game for these wide receivers. Chris Godwin, 7.3. Rondale Moore, 5.6. Aaron Jones, running back Green Bay, 7.4. Debo Samuel, San Francisco, 14.8. 14.8 yards per reception in the screen game. Miko Hardman, Kansas City, 9.8. Devontae Adams, 6.7. Cooper Cup, 9.2. Leonard Fournette, running back Tampa Bay, 6.7. DeAndre Swift, 7.6. Brandon Bolden, running back New England, 9.8. LaVisca Chanel, 5.4. Jalen Waddell, 3.9. So clearly you have a spacing issue at your hands. And that's where Tyreek Hill comes in because Tyreek Hill was tied for 14th in the NFL with 17 screen attempts. Every single screen attempt attempted to Tyreek Hill last year was completed, 17 of 17. 5.5 yards. So not the most productive. But of those 17 completions and 5.5 uh, Tyreek Hill averaged 7.3 yards after catch for an average distance of, and depth of target of minus 1.8 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Here's where it gets interesting. Jalen Waddell's average depth of targets on his screen game was twice that depth, minus 3.3 yards of depth behind the line of scrimmage. So the Dolphins offense last year, thinking about the screen game, thinking about the speed on the perimeter, Waddle was minus three and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage per catch in the screen game last year. That's twice the distance of what Tyreek Hill was. And that is, depending on who you are as a player, like for the running backs, that's a normal number. But Chris Godwin, two yards. Uh, Devontae Adams was average at the line of scrimmage. Chenault, 2.7. Cup, two, two and a half. 
Tyreek Hill, we mentioned 1.8. DJ Moore in Carolina, 1.5. Jalen Rager, Philadelphia, 1.2. And these are like top 20 targets in the screen game. So if you start changing the ways in which you are scheming the throws, you're obviously going to be setting that player up for more run after the catch. Now, when you start measuring wide receivers in the NFL for run after the catch in the screen game, uh, Debo Samuel is in a stratosphere of his own with 431. He averaged 18 yards after the catch last year. So if you want to start getting excited about what these athletes can do in this offense, take into account that Debo Samuel was twice what Chris Godwin was getting per catch as the number two yak guy in the league last year. And now you have two players who are top 15 in the NFL in volume of perimeter screens, and you put them in an offense that crafted that kind of production for Debo Samuel, it gets exciting. It absolutely does. But here's what's also very interesting in my mind about the screen game with San Francisco and projecting it forward to Miami. There's no other player in the NFL, as far as raw yards after the catch, that's in the top 100, the top 100 from that San Francisco offense. He was their lone weapon. And yet Debo Samuel was still that effective. But if you look at it from a volume of per catch and yards after catch per catch in this green game, Debo Samuel wasn't even number one on San Francisco last year. Kyle Juszczyk, fullback. Two catches on three targets, 42 yards after the catch, 21 yards after catch. Then obviously Debo Samuel. Uh, and then George Kittle, 13.3 yards after catch. All of those players are in the top 50 in the NFL. So there was one player in San Francisco's offense last year who had, from a raw production standpoint, Top 100 production yards after catch. He was number one in the NFL by a million miles. But when you look at it at an efficiency standpoint, three in the top 50. And yes, these are smaller sample sizes. Kyle Juszczyk's small sample size. George Kittle, eight targets, but he had eight catches. 106 yards after catch, 13.3 yards after catch. So you take that efficiency in the screen game, and you're assuming that is going to translate over. And you put that with guys like Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, who were high-volume target guys in screen games last year, but didn't have ideal productivity, both top 15 in targets, but um, not the most dynamic despite their speed. They're going to complement each other. Like we said, they are going to create a numbers game decision for opposing teams and that's a, a very different thing than what the Dolphins were last year which even in the summertime when we were asked about how things could possibly go wrong we talked about how the Dolphins roster appeared to be an offense that was engineered to pass to set up the run well when the offensive line is as nuclearly bad as it was you don't really get a chance to pass to set up the run and then you become a very RPO and play action pass heavy offense without the threat of the run. And you generally can't run the football unless you light up New England in week 18 last year. So this offense coming in 
plus the volume targets on the outside that we have, but two of them to complement each other, speed on the perimeter. Uh, it's a continuation of the theme from the first talking point that we had, but it's something I'm very excited for. The, the, the dynamic athletes on the outside, plus the dynamic athletes in the backfield, with Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds, Mike Gusecki in the middle of the field. Like the safety shell is going to tell you a lot about what you're going to get. Because I don't think with what the amount of speed Miami's going to have on the perimeter, the amount of speed Miami's going to have in the backfield, I don't think you're going to get a lot of exotic disguises. And now it just becomes, from the Dolphins' perspective, your young players have to grow enough so that when you identify pre-snap what you're getting, execute. Just execute. And if you do that part, the rest is probably going to take care of itself. You need to take care of some auto parts problems. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price of the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. As we continue here with our last concept that we are most excited about for the year ahead. We need to acknowledge that the Dolphins' rushing offense is, like the passing game, going to be predicated on speed, but it's also going to be uh, dramatically different than what we've seen in years past. This rushing offense is going to be predicated on stringing out the point of attack, pushing for the edge, and testing gap integrity. And I think that's something, especially since we've seen the backs that Miami has gone after this offseason, that excites me as well, because Miami's ability to win gaps and dictate, and they were one of the more heavy gap schemes in all of football last year. Uh, as far as the ratio of how often they were testing you downhill and saying, we're going to hit the B gap, guys, block it up, hit the B gap. Well, that, that was not necessarily a very consistent winner for the Dolphins as compared to, just foil again, San Francisco. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, 172 zone rushes last year was good for sixth in the NFL. And this is despite the fact that he had 262 carries. Uh, he was somebody who only played in 14 games and still had a very, very high ratio, almost two-to-one zone versus gap concepts in the rushing game. When we brought in Connor Williams and we brought in Teron Armstead, we talked a little bit about the Dolphins' incidents of each concept. 
And the saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it, does not apply to the Dolphins rushing off. It was, it was fundamentally broken. Fundamentally broken. And some of that was because the tackle play was bad. Some of that was because no matter where you put Austin Jackson, he struggled last year. Some of that was because you missed Michael Dieter for half the season and you played musical chairs at center. But nevertheless, this was from the ground up problematic. So for Miami to go out and say, okay, well, let's go get some athletes up front who are going to have the ability to flow with the speed that we're going to have to the outside. And everybody obviously remembers Raheem Mostert's dynamic season and what he was really able to do when he was healthy in San Francisco with a lot of production. Uh, In the same light that I guess probably our first context clue as far as what Miami wanted to do was Matt Breida, who they brought over two years ago, and it failed miserably uh, because it was a square peg in a round hole. Well, now you're going to be taking round pegs and trying to put them in round holes as far as conceptually what you're trying to do. And we've talked about how you're going to build off that stretch the point of attack and roll the pocket back away from that and put those second-level defenders in conflict and obviously now the speed on the outside. There's a, a lot more layers to what this personnel should be able to do without having to take so much onto the plate of a third-year quarterback who's playing in his third system in as many seasons. That's the big thing. You can make as many scheme changes as you want, as many scheme changes as you want. But if you're going to overload a young player and make it too much for him to process, then you're going to end up regressing back into, well, here's what we can do. So for Miami, the personnel being geared towards improving the running game, changing the running scheme to better accentuate the strengths of the players on the roster, the coach that's in hand, and allow him to use that as the catalyst for a bunch of the creativity that he wants to utilize. And then also utilize more rolling of the pockets because of the running game, more play-action passing. Although the Dolphins uh, were the highest percentage team of play-action passing last year of any team in the NFL by about 8%. Tuatonga below 42% incidence of play action pass, 8% more than the next highest in the NFL. They tried. They just didn't have the horses and they didn't have from both a personnel and a coaching perspective to have enough layers. You know, once we, we saw the offense kind of evolve midseason, it was pretty stale the rest of the way. You saw the RPO, you saw the RPO with the jet, the wheel, it came out the back end that you really, you hit, went after a couple of times. But it kind of was what it was. Now you should be getting new concepts introduced every single week, but it's not okay to it. Now make a four-read, four full-field progression on a five-step drop, and the ball needs to be out by the top of your drop. Because you're going to have screen game, you're going to have speed on the outside, you're going to be rolling the pocket, so you're going to have more half-field reads, which is where he's more proficient right now anyway, and you should be able to run the ball. There will be time to have the conversation about how this cannot go right. But as I'm reviewing this right now, and it's the three things that I'm most excited for, the wide zone, because of from an offensive line perspective and what the the running game was last year, I'm most excited about the speed on the perimeter and what that impact is going to be 
for the screen game in general. Very excited about, as I'm looking at this from a, a big-picture offensive view at this point in time before the draft. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Fins up. Thanks for watching. Talk to you guys again tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.